Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today, a discussion with John Nations. He is the outgoing head of the Bi-State Development Agency, a post he's held for eight years. He leaves at a time when the agency's Metrolink system is getting a lot of attention because of security and funding issues. We'll talk about that. John Nations, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. First things first, uh, any word expected soon on your replacement? You've been hanging in there for several months now waiting for this. Yeah, we're expecting an announcement very Mm -hmm. soon about it. I know the board's had meetings about it, but the board hasn't made an announcement, but I'm expecting that that'll happen very soon. What happens to John Nations uh, after you sail into the sunset? Well, you know, I've never been big for sailing into sunsets. (laughs) What I'm going to do, you know, I I actually, people say, what are you going to do? I get bored on a Saturday. I'm going to stay in St. Louis. I'm actually delighted to say I'm going to be joining one of St. Louis's finest law firms uh, where I have a lot of friends and a lot of good lawyers. That's Evans and Dixon located mm-hmm. in downtown St. Louis. So I'm delighted to make that association. Great people, great lawyers, great firm. Looking forward to it. Okay. Well, your future is secure then, it seems. I have to go back to the story that people have been talking mm-hmm. about for a good many months now. And I'll start it this way. Your friend Vince Shamel has said that you've been worn down by this whole process of dealing with the St. Louis County and County Executive Stanger. Is he right? Well, I, Vince is a very good friend. You know, being operating public transit in you know the 21st century is a challenge, whether you're in St. Louis or anywhere else. It's it's much more of a challenge in St. Louis than some other areas, and the reason for that is that we operate transit in three separate jurisdictions: St. Louis County, the city of St. Louis, and St. Clair County. We're glad to do it. A lot of people don't know that by state wasn't even formed to be a transit company. Mm-hmm. We were asked to and took over transit in 1963. But so the way transit actually from Metrolink to Metrobus to Colorado actually gets put on the street is we go through separate appropriation processes in St. Louis County, the city of St. Louis and St. Clair County based on the level of services they would like to see and and to the extent that their resources allow. Public transit requires, every aspect of it, requires tremendous cooperation among jurisdictions to make it happen. Now you mentioned the security thing, which is on a lot of people's mind, and we appreciate that. And of course what St. Louis has found out over the last two or three years, even though it's been true since Metrolink opened in 1993, is that, Met, is that Metro Transit itself, which is one of our operating divisions at Bi-State, has no and is not permitted to have a police department of its own. So consequently, we require the cooperation um, across the jurisdictions in, in order to work with the local police jurisdictions in order to police the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not the only system in the country that's dealt with challenges, but we are dealing with them here in St. Louis. Um, so we need better cooperation. We are getting it. I'm confident about the future. I think it's going to be good. Is there an insufficient number of uh, police officers in the city and county uh, available to provide proper security for the system? Well, the city of St. Louis has made it known that their resources are, are very limited and they cannot put any more people on the system. What we believe the solution is, and have always believed the solution is, is to get armed, uniform law enforcement riding the trains and be on the platforms, very visible so the public can see them. In fact, there was a recent study released by East-West Gateway here in the last two or three weeks by a consulting firm called WSP, 
which came to exactly that conclusion. And I think with the emphasis and the attention on policing and security, I think we're going to see more cooperation, particularly now with that study. I think we're going to see more cooperation and the situation improve. It's very difficult for us who run Metro Transit because the policing of it is not something that is within our control the way people often believe it. It isn't the way it is in other cities. Why can't you have your own private uh, security force? Well, you ask a a, a complicated question. I'm going to give you the quickest answer. Bi-state exists by virtue of an agreement between Missouri and Illinois known as an interstate compact. We were incorporated by an act of Congress. That charter, when it was amended to give us permission to run Metrolink, it specifically prohibit us from having our own police department. The, the local jurisdictions could provide that service. And in fact, the jurisdictions are in a good position to do that. Uh, but by law, in order to change that, in order for Bi-State to be empowered to have its own police department, we would have to get through the legislature and the governor in Missouri, the legislature and the governor in Illinois, take it through Congress, and get it signed by President Trump. And as you might expect, that that's not a quick or easy process. Yeah, well, I can see now why that uh, why that hasn't happened. And that's why we've always said, people say, should you have your own police department? We've always said the resources are available here among the jurisdictions to police and make the system safe. And that is the that's the quickest answer, and that's the quickest solution, to use the available resources. You mentioned that study that was released recently mm-hmm. with regard to, basically, regarding uh, security. What do you make of that? Uh, they, they speak, among other things, of a, a lack of coordination and cooperation between you guys and uh, specifically St. Louis County. Well, it, it, it <clears throat> recognizes a lot of things. The lack of coordination is, is of course, a hindrance. We've often said, and we've always said, that we should all be on the same radio system. There ought to be a unified chain of command, you know. And while there is different levels of cooperation, I'm delighted to say that in St. Clair County, Illinois, with the St. Clair County Sheriff's Department, we have a wonderful relationship. Uh, uh, Sheriff Watson does a tremendous job over there, and I think that that can be replicated, uh, frankly, throughout the system. How? And, and, and why isn't it uh, being done? Well, I, I, I wish that it were. Uh, now you're seeing there, the St. Clair County is even stepping up that their deputies are going to start patrolling in the city of St. Louis mm-hmm. in order to help out the city. And I think that's a very good thing. So many of the people who write it in Illinois write it to get to a job or to an event in the city of St. Louis. And Sheriff Watson over there recognized that his people are on the train. And whether you, you stay on the east side of the Mississippi River or the west side of the Mississippi River, St. Clair County residents are riding that train, and he wants them to be safe, and he made the commitment to do mm-hmm. so. He's to be commended for that. There seems to be, I'll call it bad blood, maybe that's too strong a term, between uh, Bi-State and, uh, and the St. Louis County Police Department. Chief Belmar is, is, doesn't seem very, very happy with uh, some of the things that, that uh, Bi-State's been doing and saying. Well, yeah, I think passions <clears throat> tend to run high when it comes to issues like this on both sides. We both want, I've known, you know, Chief Belmer for a long time. I've known him since before he was chief. He's a Chesterfield resident, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both want the same thing. Sometimes we have a little different ideas. The offer that, you know, I've even made is if we, if, if we have difficulty with collaboration or, or whatever it is, uh, you know, people forget that we have a transit system outside of Metrolink, for instance, the bus system, all kinds of things. We have mm-hmm. facilities all over everywhere. I've even offered to say, hey, let's let's stop disagreeing about things we shouldn't disagree about. Why don't you take over all the policing on the train and we'll turn the whole thing over to you? Mm-hmm. Because I have an entire bus system. I have a transit system that runs throughout this mm-hmm. region. Our bottom line is we don't necessarily, you know, have a preference as to who does it. Our bottom line is we want that train to be safe. We want the riders mm-hmm. to be safe. We want our employees to be safe, and we want our property to be safe. 
Why do you think it's, uh, it's, it seems less safe today than it did five or ten years ago? Well, policing Metrolink has been, you know, an issue since Metrolink began. Mm-hmm. These are not new. Um, of course, this, the situation in town with regard to crime statistics and everything else, you know, plays a role. But it gets a lot more, also a lot more, you know, press than it used to. It gets a lot more attention. Social media helps. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Letting people know and letting people be able to communicate about what their concerns are and what they expect of the system, I think is a very good thing. I think bringing some of these issues to light so that they get the emphasis that they deserve and that the public deserves and the public demands, I also think is a good thing. Do you think that that criticism of the system for that is unfair? I think it's fair for the public to criticize the system if it's not as safe as they expect it to be and as safe as it could be. And so I don't I don't back away from criticism. Um, so when we talk about it, there's you know there's things that we should be responsible for, the things the police should be responsible for. But the bottom line is, until the system is not only safe, but until the public perceives that it to be safe, mm-hmm. because that's very important. If the public per- perceives that it is not safe, you, you can go out and cite all the statistics you want saying it is safe. But if the public believes and perceives that it is not safe, then there's an issue. Is there a racial component to all of this? I think that, in you know, we don't really look at it that way. What we mm. look at is we operate a system across multiple jurisdictions through incredibly diverse neighborhoods. And we have issues, you know, when you run public transit, uh, you have issues essentially everywhere you go. If you think about public transit, just this type of an entity, it's a place where that everybody can access. It's a place where the community comes together. It's kind of the melting pot in St. Louis, and we want it to be that way. It provides critical access to jobs, recreation, particularly education and the necessities of life. So we serve the entire community, every corner of it. Well, you know, the way it all started, and I remember it, and you do too, where there were concerns they wanted to go to St. Charles, for instance, and the people in St. Charles says, we don't want the city's problems coming out here. So this has been kind of an undercurrent for the, for the transit part of uh, Bi-State since day one. Yeah, and I'll leave those arguments to, to, to St. Charles County, to be, you know, to be honest with you. But what we look at is we operate a system, that, the, the part of it that we have total control over. Forget the security and the policing part of it for just a second. What gets lost in the discussion is that at Bi-State Development and Metro Transit Division here in St. Louis, we won't run what is widely regarded as one of the best-run transit systems in the United States. Our efficiencies, our reliability lead the industry. We get invited to talk all over the country about it. People are flying in here to learn our management practices and policies to see how it can be du- duplicated elsewhere. So we're very proud that we're running a sound system. And as, and as you look at the issues that surround public transit, one of the things that we're proud of is we've taken Bi-State to the point where the things that we are in total control of are actually doing very, very well across all of our enterprises. Mm-hmm. We just need, and I think everybody, I don't think I'm saying anything that anybody else wouldn't say, whether it's Chief Belmar or, or anybody else, we need better cooperation and better execution on the policing and security on the Missouri side of the river on Metrolink. When is the community going to get a north-south uh, link? I, I have no prediction for <laughs> when that might take place. What I'm encouraging the community to do is to think beyond you know, the traditional limits of such a project. The reason I'm in this role is not because I had a background in transit. The reason I'm in this role is because I have a background in economic development and community building and in putting deals together. I think north-south ought to be looked at like an economic development project and not the typical type of project about can we get a federal grant and can we come up with local money. What we ought to be looking at is 
as you look at that corridor and we make that type of an investment, how can we make that investment pay off for that community and then come back and help mm-hmm. pay for the system? So, for instance, the first place we've really put this financial philosophy into practice is with the brand new uh, Metrolink station at Cortex. Mm-hmm. Cortex, that innovation district is one of the best things going on in St. Louis. I love to watch it. It's, it's mm-hmm. just really, really neat. But they would like to have a Metrolink station there. This came up a few years ago. The problem is you're looking at probably a $15 million investment. Bi-State doesn't have the money, remembering that we're not a taxing authority. The taxing money doesn't come to us. I have to go through appropriations in other jurisdictions. That's a project that's in the city, so what could I get money from the city? What we looked at over there is since Bi-State doesn't have the money, there are a lot of partners over there who do are very vested in that success of that area. So what actually happened there for the very first time we got private money invested in the public transit system. So we got a $10.2 million federal grant, and the rest of the money is being put up by Cortex and Washington University and BJC and the Cortex partners. They're to be commended for that. That's the first time you're seeing the private sector recognizing the value of the investment into a public transit system and the return on it for their properties and for their people and their operations. It's interesting, the operation over at Cortex, you're talking about a $15 million job. And I'm thinking of the U-City, the Loop Trolley, there's a $50 million deal for two and a half miles. Yeah, that's not one of our projects. I know it. You I know, know it. And, and I get asked about it a lot. Yeah. They say, what's going on with the Loop Trolley? That's actually not a bi-state uh, project that's a separate operation over there. I'm glad to see it up and running. Um, it's not good for not just the loop trolley, but it's not good for transit in general in St. Louis if if any project has any struggles. That's yeah. why we've lent them assistance. We've lent them help. We were glad to do that in order to help them get it up and running. Got to take a break. We're talking with John Nations, who is the soon-to-be outgoing, uh, I guess you are the outgoing head of the uh, of Bi-State Development Agency. Back to continue our conversation, our mo- conversation in a moment. If you'd like to be a part of it, give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back as we continue our conversation with John Nations, who is the outgoing CEO of the Bi-State Development. Um, we'll move on to other things. I know security is probably something you're tired of talking about. We have a caller here who wants to raise one issue relating to that. So let's bring in Eric calling from St. Louis. Eric, you're on the air. Hi. Um, yeah, I want to make a comment about that. And also maybe one brief comment about what you said since. But the comment about security is... I, I'm somebody who takes Metrolink fairly often, and I often do feel somewhat unsafe from the kind of behavior that's going on in the train, which seems kind of out of hand at times. And one thing I've noticed is how rare it is for somebody to come on and check tickets. And I would think that that would be one good way to screen the kind of the worst elements, because obviously if somebody's come on board who's not honest enough to pay for a ticket, that's a likely candidate to cause trouble. And then secondly, my second comment about the, the north-south thing is I, I live on the prospective route, and I was really drooling over the possibility, and I thought we'd already passed a sales tax increase to finance that. 
So I thought that was already underway, and I'm surprised that you sound very hesitant about whether that's actually going to take place. Well, let me address the second question first, if I might, and that is the funding of the north side, north side, south side. What the city actually passed in April of 2017, if I remember it right, was some type of an economic development tax, a portion of which would be devoted to planning Metrolink. There is not nearly enough money in that tax alone to finance or operate a Metrolink line or anything like the north side, south side uh, Metrolink alignment in the city of St. Louis. And I, I don't remember being sold that. I wasn't part of the campaign even. They, 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 they passed it on their own. Um, and the first part of your question w with regard to security, um, Eric, you raise a question that, that's actually very, very important. Often crime gets a lot of attention, but there's also behavior on the system, which doesn't amount to crime, which nevertheless uh, creates a very unfavorable riding experience. So thank you for bringing that up. And you bring up the question about fares, and people say, why is it constructed the way that it is? How come you don't have barriers? Can we check for fares? We actually do a, a tremendous amount of fare inspection. The way Metrolink was originally conceived 30 years ago, and I'm now told by East-West Gateway that 25 of the 27 systems built since ours have been built exactly the same way, is it is a proof of payment system. You get a ticket. You don't have to go through a barrier. You can get on the train. People say, I see people get on the train all the time. They don't buy a ticket. That's true. A lot of people do it. A lot of people have passes if you ask for them. We do a lot of fare inspection across the system. I will also tell you, it received a lot of press, but one of the things that inhibited fair inspection was in St. Louis County about a year and a half ago when St. Louis County Prosecuting Attorney Bob McCullough announced publicly that he would not prosecute fair evaders on the Metrolink system. That severely limited our ability to, to, to catch people who weren't paying the fare because what actually would happen is people wouldn't pay the fare. You try to stop them. You try to do something. They say, we don't have to pay the fare. You're not going to do anything about it, and they get right on the system. I think that system's going to be corrected, and it needs to be. But that was a, that was a real problem with, with collecting fares. But, Eric, you bring up two, two really good issues, and that is the north side, south side tax and, act, and activity on the train that doesn't amount to crime. You know, you mentioned Bob McCullough. Here we go with the county again. It just seems to be another incident where there is this, an element, I'll call it friction, but uh, of, of not getting along very well. What is the genesis, do you think, of, of your problem with Steve Stenger? He doesn't return calls. He had a debt uh, restructuring issue that was out there. Could have saved a lot of money for uh, taxpayers. Uh, what's going on? We, we could have saved millions had the, yeah. debt, had the debt been restructured. I really don't know the answer to that. Um, I've known Steve since before he was county executive, but um, when we, we got into the system and we started having issues, uh, the relationship was not really uh, what we wanted it to be. Uh, we need the cooperation of St. Louis County. A lot of there's a lot of benefit to the taxpayers, frankly, in cooperation, and, and we need all of it that we can get. Moving on to other things now, I know that you have a great deal that you're proud of during the eight years that you've been there. Talk about some of those things about which you're most proud and which are most beneficial to this community. Well, thank you. Yeah, Bi-State, while it's mainly known for the public transit system, we actually have four other enterprises that serve St. Louis. Um, the first is we own St. Louis uh, Downtown Airport. People will remember it as Parks, Parks Airport. Sure. We, it had gone broke and closed in the early 60s. Bi-State bought it, fixed it, reopened it. It is now the third busiest airport in the state of Illinois. It's a very good operation serving a very key industry, <clears throat> which is business aviation. It was in 1964, and it is today, the closest airport to the business district in downtown St. Louis. A lot of jobs have been 
uh, fostered over around our airport. We have very good relationships, very good tenants. It's a key part of the economic well-being of the region. The other thing we do is we operate the Gateway Arch. When the Gateway Arch was being constructed, uh, we actually, by state development, financed the tram system in the Gateway Arch. We are the only company to ever operate the tram system. I'm delighted to say that our partnership with the National Park Service, we say and they say it's one of the best partnerships in the country. To having had the privilege to be part of this entire restructuring and rejuvenation of the Arch Grounds with all the partners from, you know, the Gateway Arch, the Park Foundation, East-West Gateway, Great Rivers Greenway, to produce that type of benefit, it's very rewarding. In 2015, we started a new enterprise, very key to the region. We've branded it the St. Louis Regional Freightway, and it was and it is founded to promote the and and prioritize projects for the freight and logistics industry in St. Louis. We actually spend a tremendous amount of time on it. Mm-hmm. St. Louis, by virtue of his location, its location, the furthest point you can get north from the Gulf of Mexico, unobstructed by locks and dams, unobstructed mm-hmm. by ice. We have six of the seven Class One railroads. Depending on whether you measure it by volume or by value, the St. Louis port is the second or third busiest inland port, you know, in the United States. Uh, but a tremendous ability based around freight and logistics to expand the economy in St. Louis. We hired Mary Lamy, uh, formerly with IDOT, to run it for us. She has done a tremendous job in three and a half years. This year she's gotten two key projects approved. One is the new Merchants Rail Bridge over the Mississippi River, which would be in excess of a $200 million project. Also prioritizing the I-270 bridge that connects Madison County with North St. Louis County. The other, we also operate the river boats on the St. Louis Riverfront. We were asked to take those over in about 2001, and we did as part of our tourism operation with the Arch. And then we also started the St. Louis Research, uh, in, uh, St. Louis, uh, the Bi-State Development Research Institute, excuse me. And that was designed to kind of consolidate our research efforts into one place. We deal with a lot of industries, a lot of people, a lot of data and research is necessary. It allowed us to consolidate in the Research Institute, but also it allowed us to expand our view and how we serve. So let me give you an example. So many grants that you you work for uh, related to our industries require you to be a 501c3, a not-for-profit. We're not one. Bi-State is not one by being a governmental entity. Our research institute is. So we have a wonderful director, John Wagner, who's run it for us for the last five years. And what he did is he, he kind of broadened our view about it. So it was through John Wagner's efforts in attracting grants, philanthropic grants, that allowed us to start the free health screenings, at our, at our Metrolink stop, so often when people talk about access to health care, Don, they're talking about how you pay for health care. When we talk about access to health care, we're talking about how you get an individual in touch with the health care system. And that's what we're able to do. We're about to expand our, our abilities to do that at the North County Transit Center in Ferguson, which we're very excited about. That'll be coming online next year. And another thing that uh, John Wagner did with the Research Institute is he was able to work some grants and some partnerships so we can bring fresh food to some of our Metrolink stations. You know, if you ride transit, particularly if you're transit dependent in St. Louis, it can be kind of a long day. Getting to the grocery store, while a lot of people take it for granted, it can be a difficult thing. Now we're bringing fresh food to transit riders mm-hmm. at some of our Metrolink stops. So throughout all of our industries, we're, we serve St. Louis in a whole lot of ways beyond transit. And we're very proud of it. we got just a tremendous team. I think a lot of people would be surprised at the scope of what you do. And I, I was in getting ready for this program. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got something to do with the Eads Bridge, for crying out loud. And <laughs> what is that? We own Eads Bridge, the <laughs> oldest structure across the Mississippi River. <laughs> no idea. And when Metrolink was put in, they, they needed a way to get across the river. And there was through a creative deal that 
uh, swapped the MacArthur Bridge for the Eads Bridge. Uh, we ended up with the Eads Bridge. Metrolink runs across Eads Bridge. Um, two or three years ago, we did the first rehab on the Eads Bridge since it was opened on July the 4th, 1874. Yeah. And uh, it was just an incredible project to take a structure like that after all those years and rehabilitate it and make it new again. Mm-hmm. And we have people coming into town. It's so unique. We have people oh, yeah. coming into town that wanted to see it. And so to be able to deliver that project on time, on budget, as we do throughout our system, has, has really been a pleasure to work with the team that we have. Well, what specifically was my state's role in, in working with City Arch River uh, in the whole uh, revitalization of the arch grounds? What specifically did since we operate the arch and we do the ticketing and a lot of the promotion, it was an incredible team of different partners coordinating that entire project. The arch project, which went on for several years and required you know, subsequent phases, required tremendous cooperation to how the arch was going to be visited. It is the number one tourist attraction in the state of Missouri. You know, just for an, an individual entity like that, we are now told that the Gateway Arch is the most visited monument west of Washington, D.C. So when you're bringing a million people a year to the Arch and what that means for tourism in St. Louis and for the state of Missouri and for our region, coordinating with all those partners to keep the Arch running, to keep the marketing working, to keep everything humming, was a, it was really one of the one of our era's greatest civic partnerships. It was really a pleasure to be a part of it. And it turned out great, didn't it? It really did. And so much of St. Louis is to be commended for it. So many private dollars were donated for that project to make it possible. And it really makes you feel good about St. Louis. Let's take another call. Uh, Erica is going to join us, I believe. Eric, are you there? If you are? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Um, John has provided great leadership. I first met him coming from Chesterfield, really understanding what we needed in the metropolitan area, worked together with him on the Transit Alliance, one of the broadest based coalitions. But the question I have, and he's done great work. You know, you've just heard some of it about food, health, really understanding the role of bi-state development and its real uh, possibilities. John, the question I have for you is how do we really bring people together, particularly leaders, to provide the kind of leadership and collaboration that you've worked on doing? What do you think we need to do in St. Louis? Because we seem to be really lacking in that space. And the the recent security report also pointed that out in terms of collaboration, cooperation. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Uh, Thanks for the question. I think what St. Louis Louis needs to do, and not just with security and policing on Metrolink, but across the board, so many things have affected St. Louis over the last 40 years that it it, it has made St. Louis what it is. And I could get into them from the deregulation of the airlines to a whole lot of things and how flights and all those types of things work. St. Louis needs to recognize that Clayton is not fighting with downtown St. Louis, and downtown St. Louis is not fighting with Belleville, Illinois. Our competition is people we can no longer see outside of our windows, and they're not necessarily even a Chicago or a Kansas City. St. Louis has tremendous assets. And what St. Louis needs to do is that rather than you know a kind of helter-skelter approach, you need a unified effort to identify those one, two, three total civic priorities at any given time and everybody get behind them. Take the regional freightway. When freight came up uh, as an issue in 2013 and 2014, we needed somebody to work on it. Nobody was working on it in St. Louis on kind of a a global effort. But the, the, the question that came out of that is, can St. Louis come together and decide that someone ought to be doing it. We were ultimately selected to do that. But the thing I told the regional leadership at the time is, if you cannot agree 
that somebody should be working, please don't ask us to mm-hmm. do it. We're here, as I say, we provide regional solutions to regional challenges. And what we need to do is to take those regional issues, define them, and then aggressively go after them. You know, if you look at the way air travel is changing, you know, we often think about, oh, we got St. Louis, and then we've got, you know, you look at O'Hare, we're fighting with O'Hare or Dallas. The way air travel is changing, um, with the jets becoming more efficient and with more things possible, St. Louis can become a more attractive place because when people fly into to the country from outside of the country, they're looking for a good experience. Some of the other airports have become congested. If St. Louis can become uh, attract even more flights, and I would say Rhonda Homnebrug and her team are doing a great job at Lambert attracting flights, but it's a matter of uh, the bottom line is getting the region to agree on just one, two, three major priorities at a time, and everybody getting behind them. Just another example of how the fragmentation, I guess, the political fragmentation in this area can be a, a hindrance. You know, it, it, it is a hindrance. Um, I, I think everybody would agree with that. That doesn't mean that, it, you know, it can't be overcome. I think the fray was a classic example, frankly, of, uh, of how it can be overcome. But then we need to identify the next priority, and we've got to get out of the the, the thinking that if a business moves from you know, across the street or, you know, something else that that's somehow a bad thing. We need to retain businesses and we need to attract them and we need a unified effort to do it. Is ridership down on the, in the transit uh, arm of yeah, the state? Yeah, ridership over the last uh, four years is down about 25% across the system. And by the way, that's not that's not just unique to St. Louis. Yeah. We're seeing a r- drop in ridership across the country. From 2010 to 2015, the ridership growth in St. Louis as a rate, as a rate of growth, was leading the country. You know, the price of gas had been going up. All kinds of things were sure. converging. Now the price of gas is going down again. Security is a concern. But we're seeing it across the country, uh, not just in St. Louis, but, uh, you know, systems across the country are seeing the same thing. But we're hearing all these stories about how the millennials are disavowing the automobile and those things and really turning to uh, public transportation. And thanks for asking that question because that's the next issue, Don. People talk about mm-hmm. public transportation. What we really need to look at is what we call personal mobility, okay? It is true that the millennial generation is getting away from cars, but at the very same time, you've got Uber, you've got Lyft that have been taken off like a rocket. So while the actual ridership on public transportation may be declining, what we don't yet know, but which what I suspect, suspect is that people paying for rides and the number of rides being paid for is actually increasing. Mm. There might not be as many rides on the public transit system, but when you add Uber, Lyft, and a bunch of other things that are going on, I mean, look what's happening downtown, the revolution, right? Mm. So we started bike share. Bike share was something, bike share. Mm. Now it's the scooters. People used to take the bus or the downtown trolley all over the place, mm. go downtown. You got people on scooters all over the place going those five blocks or even 10 blocks around the city. So that's a different way to get around. That's why we say when you look at it, Look at personal mobility. That's why we're spending a lot of time through a project that we call Metro Reimagined, is to what does the future of public transportation really look like in St. Louis? And if you look at what Uber and Lyft are able to do, should we be partnering with Uber and Lyft? Should we be duplicating that uh, that uh, that business model? Do we use those to give us reach into far-flung areas and maybe public transit becomes more 
express buses in, in corridors and Metrolink. So we're looking at all those things right now. Right. Uh, as you look ahead, and of course you're, you're going to be doing this through the rearview mirror, um, what is the big challenge ahead for this, uh, this agency, do you think? What is, the, what is the next big project that it might be involved in? I think that uh, transit will continue a big thing. The reason I say transit is because I, I think there's a plenty of opportunities for Bi-State. Uh, people have talked about having a regional airport plan and who ought to be doing a bunch of things around town. But the biggest challenges that we're facing is we are going through a tremendous revolution in technology across business sectors, across transportation. Bi-State has always been proud to be a leader in transportation. We need to make sure we know where that technology is going to take us, what the opportunities are, what is going to be the market for public transportation just in that sector. We have tremendous opportunity in freight and logistics. Just since we started freight and logistics to expand that portion of the economy, the Panama Canal has expanded. That's bringing new opportunity. The new Panamax ships, which are the ones that can bring 20,000 20-foot equivalent unit containers, those boxes everybody sees, mm -hmm. can now come into the Gulf. There's new technology that is going to make containers on vessels on the Mississippi River viable. It hasn't been viable to date. So we're going to be able to bring those units up on a vessel 2,000 at a time. That's an opportunity for St. Louis to have an intermodal facility. It also presents an opportunity to disrupt, and I mean that word in a good way, disrupt how the United States, and particularly the heartland, is actually supplied. St. Louis is actually supplied, as is Chicago, even east of the Mississippi, by Los Angeles and Long Beach. Those supply lines could change to the Gulf and lower Louisiana. We've actually signed, by state, has actually signed two memorandums of understanding with two separate ports in lower Louisiana, the Port of New Orleans and the Port of Plaquemines, which is about as far south as you can go and keep your feet dry, mm -hmm. in order to coordinate marketing and efforts in order to facilitate and expand that portion of the economy. There's tremendous opportunities in St. Louis, which is why, you know, uh, people always say you're a sunny side up kind of guy. I am very optimistic about the future of St. Louis if we can get everybody to work in the same direction. You seem very excited about it and passionate at the same time. So why are you leaving? <laughs> I can tell you, I've loved my time at Bi-State. You know, I never, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I ever be at Bi-State? They recruited me for a year. Yeah. But at heart, I'm an economic development guy. I love practice in law. I always have. I love being mayor of Chesterfield. I've been very fortunate in my life to do some wonderful things and work with wonderful people to make a difference in this community. And I like to say I'm only 55 years old, <laughs> but I'm really interested. There's other things that I really like to work on and other things that, you know, I yeah. would like to do. Okay. Well, all the best to you, John Nations. Thank you so much for being with us. Good luck to you, and uh, hopefully you can make that uh, change soon. It's been a long time in coming, as, uh, as we've indicated earlier. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank all you. The, all the very best to you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.